Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What a difficult liturgy this always is to move from hymns of praise, Hosanna, or glory, Lord, and honor, and then within a few brief moments to move to crucify, from Hosanna to crucify. Hosanna was the words that were used for people that actually meant uh, come save now, save now, and yet had been uh, then understood later as a song of praise. Um, Emperors and kings who had gone out to do battle to fight the enemy, when they would return in triumph, the citizenry would go out from the cities to greet them outside of the city walls and then would bring them in to great joy and praise, Hosanna. So meaning both save, for they had done, and great joy, joy in, in the welcoming in of the one who had conquered. These words are echoes of Psalm 118 that we said today. In, the, in that psalm, the psalmist said, This is the gate of the Lord. He who is righteous may enter. I will give thanks to you, for you answered me and have become my salvation. The same stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day, the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the one entering the holy city is the only righteous one. The only one who can enter into through the gate the only one who brings salvation, the Lord's anointed one, the King, King Jesus, the King of the Jews. And even as the crowds are shouting and putting their cloaks in his path and palm branches, even though they are shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they do not yet understand the prophetic nature of their words, that indeed they are crying out, save now, and he is For this is the beginning of the week, the last week of his life. We've moved over six days. We've moved from Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry to Good Friday in today's liturgy. But they're shouting at the beginning of of our service this morning outside. (coughs) Hosanna. Come save. Shouts of joy. But those words move from praise to condemnation. (coughs) Sorry. From community to isolation. From joy to suffering. From glory to humiliation. But this also was prophesied 
This was prophesied in Isaiah, Isaiah 50, the third servant song of Isaiah. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me. I have set my face like flint. From glory to humiliation, setting his face like flint. Indeed, it's what St. Paul says is the very character of divine kingship. To take off glory, to remove glory and to lay it aside, to descend into humiliation, to descend into isolation and to descend into suffering. This is the character of divine kingship, so very different than the kingship of this world. His kingdom so very different than the kingdoms of this world. But because his beloved children live in this world, in all of the messes of this world, in all of the mudded and suffering places of this world, he takes off his glory and he descends into our sin, and yet he is the one who knows no sin, into our suffering, knowing full well that the cries of Hosanna will change and do change from praise to condemnation, from community to isolation, and from joy to suffering, for he knows that that also is oftentimes our lot as well, that we can move just as quickly from joy to suffering and sorrow. It's what all of the loved ones of those on the German wings flight knew in an instant, a movement from joy to suffering and sorrow. The Christians who lived in Nigeria, in different towns, in Iraq, in Syria, in Sudan, they know the difference now between community and isolation because they are no longer greeted by their neighbors. They are isolated if not killed. But we don't even need to look that far afield in the world. In our own nation, just this last week, people moved from joy into suffering when tornadoes came through. And in our own community, in our own individual lives, there are times when we move quickly from joy to suffering. We take up the cross of our own suffering and sometimes we take up that of our loved ones as well. Staying close, even though doing so increases our own suffering. And sometimes, like Simon of Cyrene, a cross is laid upon us not of our own choosing. He was pulled out of the crowd, commanded to carry Jesus' cross. Author Debbie Thomas asked this question about Simon. 
What did Simon choose next once the soldiers pulled him out of the crowd to carry Jesus' cross? Did he walk up that hill in bitterness? Was he consumed by the sheer injustice of the thing? Did the loudness of the why me and is how could God let this happen fill all of the space inside his head? Or did he find room for compassion too? He entered Jesus' story to save his own hide, not knowing how this one act born of nothing particularly honorable would ricochet over the years of his life or secure him a place in history. What happened to Simon when he reached Golgotha? Did he feel good about sharing in Jesus' suffering? Did he trust that his efforts had helped alleviate a small bit of Christ's pain? Or did he walk away in disgust, wondering, what was that for? What was all that about? It was not given to Simon to rescue the man whose burden he briefly shared. What he received was a cross. And a cross isn't something you solve. It's something you carry. It wasn't even Simon's privilege to know how the story would end. He would walk away on that terrible Friday afternoon, totally ignorant of what Sunday could bring, what Sunday did bring. She goes on. As I linger over this story, I I find comfort in two things. First, Jesus didn't mind Simon's reluctance. He needed help, and he took what he could get. Simon obeyed orders and entered the mess. That was enough. And second, God knows, more agonizingly than we ever will, what it's like to suffer and not save. God knows. God the Father knows, because as his son suffered on the cross, He could not save, because if he saved Jesus, we would not be saved. So God the Father knows agonizingly what it is to suffer and not save. In the end, Simon matters because he stands in useful contrast to Jesus, who willingly walks with us in all our suffering. Not for one day or for one mile, but for the duration. An easy piety would argue that we have a choice to make. Either we'll allow the strain of our crosses to crack us apart or we'll allow suffering to change us for the better. She says, I'm not a big fan of easy piety, so I'll argue this instead. Life being the muddled, messy thing it is we will choose both or we won't even choose both both will just plain happen to us we'll crack apart and we'll be changed we'll bear our burdens resentfully and we'll bear them in love the pain that enters into our lives will deform us and it will transform us too over and over And over again. This is the road Simon walked. It's the road we walk. But we walk it accompanied by Jesus. Because he's gone there 
before us. In the words of Annie Johnson Flint, Annie was a a young girl when both of her parents were killed and she was orphaned. As she was taken in by a Christian couple and became a Christian herself, but just out of her teens, her adoptive family, her adoptive parents also died. And then she was struck with a very virulent form of arthritis, so much in pain that she spent most of her time in bed. And yet she wrote poem after poem on the love and compassion of God. She wrote this, might be familiar to many of you. God hath not promised skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying. Love. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey in fulfillment of the prophecies that spoke of God's rescue project to put all things to right in this fallen world. He enters to the sounds of joy and praise. Within six days, praise has turned into condemnation, joy to suffering and sorrow as he hangs isolated, lifted up on a cross. But he does not flinch from what lies before him. He sets his face like flint, for in his sorrow and suffering, ours is overcome. Suffering will not have the final word. Death will be overcome on that hill outside a city wall. And he will walk with us in all our ways of suffering, knowing personally the pain, for he has walked that way before us. Amen.